Hey, welcome back to Bacoa's Redefining Aging Podcast. My name is Matthew Downing, and I'm your host. Today, I have a conversation with Michaela Bedenian from Willow House. Michaela and I talk about grief and staying connected through life and death. If you want more information on Bacoa's grief services, you can visit our website at www.bacoa.org. We do have a support group called The Last Chapter, Things I Wish I Knew, that meets the third Monday of every month on Zoom. Again, that's www.bacoa.org, or you can call our office at 847-381-5030. Here's my conversation with Michaela. All right, so today we're talking about grief support and staying connected through life and death with Michaela Bedenian, Program Associate at Willow House in Bannockburn, Illinois. Um, the mission of Willow House is to, to develop and provide supportive services for children, teens, families, schools, and communities who are coping with grief and the death of a loved one. So, hi, Michaela. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, so, I guess my first question would just be, um, tell me a little bit about Willow House and how like you got involved and what you do there. Yeah. So, Willow House is a independent nonprofit organization that provides grief support services to children, families, schools, and the community. Um, we kind of try to reach as many people as we can in the Chicagoland area um, because we know that grief is hard and there are a lot of resources out there for grief support. Um, so that's what we do. We provide grief support, we provide grief education. Um, my role there is kind of having my hand in a little bit of everything, so connecting with schools, connecting with the community, and then also running peer support groups and supporting our families through that. Um, I got involved with Willow House from an internship, actually. I went through our resources for, through my school and saw Willow House and its mission, and it just resonated so much with me and my story. And I wanted to work there, I wanted to participate, and I have been there ever since, um, because it truly is a very powerful mission, and it is so geared towards our mission. Everything we do is to meet the needs of our families and the community, and, and trying to truly change the name of grief a little bit. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, I know a lot of people that struggle with grief, um, don't really know where to go. Um, so you talked about um, you help lead some of the peer support groups. Can, yeah. you, can you tell me kind of what they do and where to go for things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So our groups are geared towards children and families. We start as young as three years old and go up through 28 for children who have lost a sibling or parent figure. And then we have co-occurring groups for their respective adults who've lost a spouse, partner, something along those lines. Um, that's our primary family groups. And it really, the whole goal is to create mutual support because we know that not a lot of people understand grief and the people who get it, get it on a different level. Um, so we open the door and we create a space where there are facilitators to guide the conversation, but it really is just a place where you can come and grieve. And that can look like being sad, it can look like being angry, it can be a lack of emotions, confusion, all of that and so much more. And we really just want to create a space where that's all welcome and understood and validated. Um, our whole goal is to validate and normalize all of those pieces. We also have other groups that kind of go hand in hand with our family groups. We have a survivors of suicide loss group because we know that that population especially doesn't get as much attention. Um, it's a disenfranchised grief often where people don't necessarily recognize the weight that it can carry. And then we also have an expressive arts group that is for families to actually stay together. Whereas our other groups, we break off by 
age or development stage level. Um, our expressive arts group is for the family to participate as a whole and stay connected, connect with each other, and then also with other families kind of doing the same thing. Um, that opens the door for a lot more communication and processing, especially for kiddos or people in general who have a hard time putting their grief into verbal language. It's a way to still process and get it out and express their experience kind of through a different lens. Yeah, I mean, I really like um, what you said about how, you know, grief doesn't always look the same for everybody. Absolutely. So this idea of having this place where people can come and however you're feeling about it, just being able to talk to someone, having that support group around you. And it sounds like you guys really gear towards, you know, having the whole family kind of involved in that process. Yeah, we definitely look at the family as a whole because how a parent grieves affects how a child grieves and vice versa. Um, there's something very special about how a parent can support a child's grieving process and open the doors for their growth, not only in that moment, but so much farther into the future. We've had families that um, the children almost become grief mentors for other people because they have that experience and they know what it's like um, talking about how to express your emotions, how to use coping skills, even supporting their parents because they have these school, these skills and tools, um, and then parents can do the same for their kids. So we want to look at the whole family and not just one piece, because we know that grief doesn't happen in a vacuum. It is connected to everything else, and it is so interconnected, we don't want to miss out. And that's why we also work in schools and the community to make the whole space more grief aware and open to the process. Um, but we know that our families could use that extra direct support, which is why our peer support groups are so important. Nice. So when you say you work with um, schools and in the community, so do you go into places and do you have any kind of initiatives like that? Yeah, absolutely. Our big thing is to create a more grief-aware environment. Yeah. Um, so we'll go into schools, we'll do grief education, workshops for staff, parents, students even, um, how to support a grieving peer or coworker. We, if there's a crisis within a school organization, for example, if somebody within that community dies. We can come in and do a debrief session and kind of talk about that grief experience and how the community can support itself. Um, and then in schools, we also do an eight-week support group within the school for children who've experienced loss as well. So we really want to have our hands in the community. We want to be a part of it and just get grief education out there and normalize and validate within that setting that everybody's impacted by grief. It's one of the only universal experiences that we'll all have. Um, and that doesn't mean that it always has to be death losses too. We've seen a lot of non-death losses too, especially throughout the pandemic and all of those pieces where life just looks different and change is hard and there's grief embedded in every change. And you talk about how it's, it's this universal experience that we all have and I feel like it's also a universal experience that we all experience in different stages of our mm -hmm. life and there's kind of ebbs and flows of how we deal with grief. Um, do you see that a lot with like people having different feelings at different times? And Absolutely. There is no like set standard for how a person grieves. It is ever changing, ever flowing. A person can grieve at five years old and go through a different loss five years later and it'll look completely different. People of the exact same relationship to a person can grieve completely different ways. We are lifelong grievers. There's always going to be a piece of grief with us. It doesn't have to look the same all the time, 
Um, we use this image of this like squiggly mess with an ongoing arrow to describe grief because we want it to be so linear. We want it to make sense. But that's not what we actually see in reality. There are highs and lows, intensity changes. Um, for a lot of people, organizing it into stages can be helpful, but we've seen that the stages don't always fit. And it doesn't mean that you are grieving wrong if you don't fit the typical stages. Um, there are a lot of different ways to describe grief. But at the core of all of it is that grief is unique to the person. It's um, individualized and universal, so it's kind of hand in hand on both sides. There's seen and unseen sides of grief. So there are a lot of components that go into how a person grieves. And I think at the end of the day, as long as you aren't harming yourself or others, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Um, it just is, and being able to embrace that and validate your experience is what we see a lot of in our groups. Just saying, you know what, I thought it was a problem that I was angry my person died, but hearing that other people are just like me, it is okay, and this is just a part of that experience, and that makes it a little bit easier for me to go through. I love that you guys are able to tell people that because I feel like a lot of people do feel like, you know, am I grieving the right way or like I don't know if I'm like having the right emotional response, but like there is no right emotional response. So right. yeah, that's that's really great. And I know so for Bacoa, we, we work a lot with older adults, but also mm -hmm. their families and caregivers, which is where I think we kind of intersect um, as far as um, our last chapter group works with people that have lost someone and it's kind of a support group in the same way, mm -hmm. um, but it does see that whole family picture from the kids to parents to older adults. Um, right. And I know you're speaking with our last chapter group, um, I think in April, mm -hmm. about just kind of like legacy and honoring maybe like an elder person that lo you've lost in your life. Um, so can you just talk about like how we kind of stay connected to people that we've lost? Yeah, so I think our immediate response is that when a person dies, so does our connection to them. But that isn't necessarily how it has to work. There are continuing bonds that can keep you connected to your person. And sometimes it's easier for others. Um, and sometimes it can be challenging to form those connections. Kids are especially great because their minds are just so creative as is that it's like, oh yeah, I was talking to mom over the weekend, even though mom was dead and they were talking to a tree. And that's normal and that's great. Um, for adults, we kind of have this mindset of what it should look like. So it can be a little challenging at first to lean into that legacy piece. Um, but love never dies. And that's kind of our mentality that we lean into, that there's always ways to remember and connect to your person. And sometimes memory is hard, especially for older adults. That can be a lot of hurtful memories or difficult memories or the loss of memories can just be another grief. Um, but it also has to do with how you feel, how you connect. So what can be a beautiful legacy piece for one person um, can maybe not have so much meaning for another, but listening to a certain song can be this huge connecting piece or eating food that reminds them of a time that they were together. There are all these little pieces. When you think about our day to day, our culture, our um, meal times, um, what we do for fun, our activities, how we spend our day to day, those are all pieces that you connect with the people around you automatically. And if you can lean into those pieces after they're gone, you can still maintain that connection, you can still remember them. Um, it is okay to talk to a person who has died, that doesn't make you weird or abnormal. Um, 
it can be healthy to just maintain that connection because of course they're a part of you. They are intertwined into who you are. I think the people that are important to us kind of embed themselves in us and everything we do reflects them and us and the way that we're all connected. So I think that legacy piece is just leaning into those connections, being mindful about those connections and celebrating them and honoring them in ways that feel right for you. Yeah, and I like the idea of like when you're feeling those connections, taking that moment to think about it. It's really interesting that you mentioned um, music because in our memory programs, we talk about all the time like how much research has been done on like just any kind of song or music that like is able to connect people to those kind of memories. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Young and old, we've had third graders that are this is the music I listen to to think of my person, and we have you know our older adults that this is the music I listen to and it brings me back to this time. I think music, um, food, we eat for every important occasion um, most of the time. So those little things I can even share personally. I, um, I lost somebody when I was young and their favorite food was a lemon cookie. And whenever I need a little connection to them, I will eat a lemon cookie and it's like I'm right back with them. Um, and yeah, just like places, seasons, all of those pieces can be associated with a person. So it is, it can be a lot easier when you have an open mind to that legacy piece of just how can I connect with them today? That's actually so interesting to think about because like I was just literally thinking about um, when I lost my grandmother, like I still, whenever I have like an ice cream soda or something, I'm like, that is what I would always have with my grandma and like yeah. it was immediately brings you back. Yeah, Absolutely. So, yeah. Your um, senses are so important yeah. to those memories and when you can recognize it, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, let's, let's have that ice cream soda. Let's yeah. <laughs> eat those lemon cookies. Absolutely. Nice. And I think, um, it sounds like Little House definitely does this. At Bacoa, we really try to take this community approach where we feel like everyone's supporting everyone. So like, if you know someone in your life that, um, is grieving, has maybe just lost someone, do you have any advice for like how we can support people that are grieving around us? Yeah. Um, I think at the core of all of it, the most important thing you can do for a grieving person is to listen. And that can be so, so hard because we want to make people feel better and we want to take care of things and we are a world of fixers. Um, but there's nothing we can say or do that will fix a loss. You can't bring somebody back from the dead. You can't undo something that's happened, but you can hear them and you can, if you are very mindful and present, just sitting with somebody who's grieving can be so supportive. Um, and there are always more tangible things that you can do as well. I know listening can be hard. It can be a lot to take in. Um, offering tangible things. I'm going to come over on this day and do your laundry. I'm going to pay for lawn services so that you don't have to worry about that. Um, I'm going to take you out on this date, if you need to reschedule, that's okay, but we are going to plan a day that we're going to not worry about everything else. Offering those tangibles because a lot of times a griever doesn't even know what they need. There's so much going on, there's so much going through their mind that it's just trying to survive and they don't know what that looks like and it's just going day by day. And that's absolutely normal and okay. So if support people can come in and recognize that and start to take some of that load off without them even having to think about it and start to hear what's going on. Um, that's a beautiful way to respond. I also think it's important to note that you don't have to stop talking about the person who died. 
a lot of times our families say, well, I'm grieving my person, but I'm also grieving the fact that nobody else acknowledges that they ever existed. And that can be really hard for somebody, especially if it was an important person to them, because, well, who am I going to talk to about it if the people I love, the people I'm closest to, don't want to, they're uncomfortable. There's definitely some cues, maybe it is harder to talk about sometimes. Um, so you can be responsive and offer opportunities, um, but I, it's important to realize that you aren't going to remind somebody that somebody that they love is dead. They aren't going to forget that information. Right. It, is, it is a part of their life, but if you can acknowledge the good times, the happy memories, or just acknowledge their person, it can make a big difference too. Yeah, I really like um, two things. One, coming to them like with a suggestion of something you can mm -hmm. do, because especially like in those initial stages after losing someone, there's an additional stress of like all these people are asking me, what can I do? And like, I don't know, I have so much going on. Like, Absolutely. yeah. And then I really do think, um, because we all want to be so solution oriented that we don't always think about like the literally just saying like, do you want to talk about it? And just yeah. like being there to listen is, is such great advice. So yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Um, so any, um, any final thoughts? And then like, where can people find Willow House, find you, um, learn more about you guys? Yeah, so I think just in the grand scheme of things, um, Willow House is so community oriented and we want to keep serving. I know Bacoa has been a partner with us, um, the Barrington Area Council Foundation, BACF. Yeah, the has Barrington Area Community Foundation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they have been a huge help. Um, and. I want to acknowledge that Willow House's services are completely free. So if people do want to come to us for support or just ask a question, we can refer out. That is a huge opportunity for us, for you, for um, anybody that's in need. We have so many other connections with um, like the National Alliance for Children's Grief. And at the end of the day, our goal is always to get that grief support, whether it's through us, through somebody else, um, because we know how important it is and that grief is everywhere, and it is not something to be ashamed of or afraid of, but it is an opportunity to lean into the love and connection that has mattered to us our entire lives. Um, yeah, if people want more information about Willow House, if they want to reach out to us, willowhouse.org or info at willowhouse.org, sending us an email, going to our website. A lot of that information is out there, but we're happy to answer any additional questions. Great. Thank you so much. I feel like I, I really did learn a lot. And I think you guys really provide a great service to the community. And I know it's something that a lot of our clients would also appreciate. So I'm glad that you came in and, and we got to talk about Little House. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Really thank you. It. All right, that's our episode for today. Thank you so much to Michaela and Will House, and thank you all for listening. If you wanted more information about BACOA's memory and grief support programs, you can visit www.bacoa.org or call our office at 847-381-5030. Thanks, have a great day.